We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Running Scared on November 17th, 1980. It was written by David O'Dell, based on a story by Paul Glickler, directed by Glickler, and released by Thorn EMI. On cable, it's been re-released under several titles, Panic Escape, Desperate Men, and Back in the USA. This is the second of four major films with the same title. After David Hemming's art film novel adaptation in 1972, and followed by the Billy Crystal Gregory Hines action comedy in 86, and Paul Walker's 2007 action crime thriller. Which I so, highly recommend. I get the idea of... You know, maybe there was another movie, but it's not really well known and used the same title. But after this one was released, I feel like everybody should have stayed clear of this title yeah, for really, fear that their movie juju. might be compared to this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I no. guess they would look good compared yeah. to it, but might be confused with it would be real bad. That's true. <laughs> well, in their defense, maybe when the Crystal Hines movie came out, they were trying to look up titles. And now oh, it's just this movie called Desperate Men. So I guess it's yeah. not. <laughs> Panic Escape. Sounds like a terrible title. This was the first film of actor Judge Reinhold and Annie McEnroe, or McEnroe, McEnroe? but there's no A. So I want to say McEnroe, but I'll say Annie McEnroe. And the last film of director Paul Glickler. We start outside a club in well, Panama. Well, uh, I, want <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if we're supposed to say how we watch this. We watch this. Sure. I don't know where this, this version is. It's from a VHS. Yeah. Um, and it seems like it was a VHS that was then being projected onto a screen and then being recorded off of that screen. Um, I didn't catch that. Th that's how it seemed to me just because like the color quality oh, like yeah. kept shifting, like, like, like a light quality. Yes. Was changing. I didn't notice that. Um, but it, it introduces this movie as a videogram. <laughs> it says unlicensed copying of this videogram. Yep. That's, <laughs> I was that's like, right. what's a videogram? That's what we've been doing on the show. We've been <laughs> like reviewing a, videograms. Yeah, it's like a, a video and a program, but I don't think I've ever heard of that being combined into that word before. <laughs> yeah, that's new. We start outside a club in Panama, Aranita des Martires, April 1961. A military jeep pulls up and an MP grabs a man from the crowd and tosses him into the back seat before pulling away. Does not... Nothing comes Nothing. of this. I don't, nope. I, I don't know who these... Is this them? Nope. No. Who this are these completely guys? Irrelevant this irrelevant person. Oh. So, okay, we'll get to it later. Never mind. A taxi pulls up to the same club, and a passenger steps out and tells the driver to just keep the engine running because he's here to grab a friend. The man, Chaz McLean, is having trouble locating this friend. He has an address, but he doesn't know which building this address goes to. And suddenly he finds Leroy in the bustling crowd. Leroy appears fully wasted, and Chaz has to drag him away from the club towards the taxi. When Chaz calls out to their ride, Leroy books it back into the club, and Chaz has to chase him inside again. The taxi rolls by, honking its horn, and Chaz manages to drag Leroy out, having to fight back prostitutes to get into the cab, and they are immediately joking around in the car. Look out, Ma, I don't mean to tease, but I think I'm coming home with a social disease. <laughs> we see a cargo plane flying at night. Apparently Chaz and Leroy are bribing the pilot, with a complete collection of Elvis records, at the time, I guess, if this is 61, to take them somewhere that they aren't supposed to go. I, I don't know why they have to bribe this guy. They're going home. Yeah. They, they were discharged. I think they were bribing him because they were bringing back a stolen cargo. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Uh, but they're not AWOL or anything. They're just, they have illegal stuff with them. Yeah. The pilot tells Chaz that he has to make a stop and drop some crates at an airbase. And if you get caught, you're stowaways, and I don't know nothing, see? When Chaz joins Leroy in the cargo hold, Leroy is throwing up into a box labeled fragile. <laughs> they have been discharged from a two-year infantry tour in the army in Panama. 
Leroy shows Chaz a footlocker he stole on his way out. It's full of really expensive surveillance equipment. Really expensive. It's it's only two thousand dollars worth of equipment. He says repeatedly. Yeah, but I guess two thousand in nineteen sixty one. It's yeah. like six thousand dollars. Yeah. No, it's probably closer <laughs> to ten. But still, it's uh, it's a little weird how protective he is of this garbage. This here's my special discharge bonus from Uncle Sam. What did you do, Rob the PX? Two damn years I gave them crumb bums. Leroy grabs a night vision camera out of the footlocker and accidentally photographs Chaz sleeping and then starts taking pictures of an airfield out the window. He tears off the negatives and leaves them on the floor of the plane. The plane lands at the stopover, a secret base somewhere in Central America, and they hide from men that are unloading the plane. One of them takes Leroy's footlocker and he shouts at them to stop, but somehow they don't hear him. Chaz wrestles Leroy back to shut him up and the men toss the footlocker back into the plane when they realize it's not what they're supposed to be taking. When the plane lands in America, Leroy and Chaz jump a fence around the airfield. So, yeah, the, at this, I was very confused <laughs> yeah. because I thought that they were sneaking into Cuba or 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 sneaking into a place where they didn't belong. And right. so they landed in this airport and now they have to escape the airport because they don't want to go through customs. Right. And then this this issue is only hammered down by the fact that everyone's driving like nomads. Yes. And and I feel like like oh yeah, but it's also because it's 1961. Yeah, but it's weird that everyone is driving them. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> but I thought for sure that they were in a country that they weren't supposed to be in, and that's yeah. why they had to sneak out of the airport. No, I well, think no. they had to sneak out because they weren't on the manifest for the yeah, flight. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with Patrick here, but you know, also nobody should be in Florida. That's so true. Yeah. It's true, anyways. They don't want any proof that they were there. Men cleaning the plane after the delivery find the negatives of the photos that Leroy took. Naturally, the pilot would insist that there was no one else aboard, so the photographs are brought to Arthur Yeager, one of the higher-ups in a local military office. Um, I'm assuming he's CIA or something. Uh, oh, of the of the two main yeah, guys y- that Yeager we see. and Williams. Williams. Uh, I, I can only assume, but uh, because... Because of their mission. Mm-hmm. He thinks that Cubans might be on to them, because they have some kind of a mission coming up and uh, he's worried that this is evidence that someone caught them in what they're doing and is going to blow the whistle on them. Jaeger calls Captain Munoz in and commands him to gather some men, 68.1 men to be exact, to track down two subversives between the airport and Okeechobee. What's that in miles, Cal? Uh, 25.8, Arthur. That's right. And you'll need men at, say, every 2,000 feet armed. How many troops is that, Cal? 68.1, Arthur. Right. Mr. Jaeger, I... We don't need 68.1 soldiers to capture two young men. I don't know how he knows it's two, because they just have a picture of the one guy. I well, guess... they had the one guy and someone who took the picture. Yeah. But maybe he just Was he the in camera. the picture? Chaz was. Yeah. So, But Chaz didn't take a picture of himself sleeping. So someone took I the picture. I thought the picture was of the airfield. He took two pictures. He took two pictures. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize there were two pictures. When he's unloading it, he accidentally snaps a shot and he goes, oh, whoops. And then he points it out uh, the plane and takes another picture. Okay. I I struggled to pay attention to this movie. It's, they don't make it easy, honestly. It's It was, I was losing interest like every few seconds. Yeah. It was, it was really difficult to follow the plot just because... I didn't care. It like that there's much. also there's a rule of threes with this kind of movie where if you want someone to understand something, you have to hit on it with at least three inserts, mm-hmm. so that it's like in case you missed it last time, here it is, and then here it is again to reinforce what you saw. And this movie doesn't do that. Any detail that you get, you get once, and if you don't catch it and you don't rewind it over and over again, like I did today, yeah, then you're gonna miss all these inf- these details. Well, yeah, but and it didn't help that the copy we were watching was so poor. Yeah, it's real scratchy. But that's the best one that there is right now. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, nobody, it's the exact nobody needs, quality it needs to be. Nobody needs better version of this. I could have used one today. <laughs> okay, one person could have used one a person. better version of this. <laughs> Munoz thinks this is a waste of resources to take all these men out on the road, but he accepts his detail. Leroy and Chaz are hitchhiking. Leroy is pretending to be an ape for some reason. Yeah, Leroy is an asshole. Yeah, he's an asshole and an idiot. Throughout the whole movie, he is just constantly causing problems 
and I get so frustrated with him. Yeah, because he's not he's not being funny enough to make up for how annoying he's being. Mm-hmm. But a kid stops for them anyway. Uh, he's very desperate to join the army when he's old enough and be like them. He wants to drive a tank specifically. They ask if he can go any faster, and the kid takes a shortcut down an old dirt road, going way too fast for comfort. He takes his car off a ramp and clears an entire canal to land his car back on the road. He drops them off at a barbecue place, and they're like 30 miles from Leroy's house. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't drive them the whole way, unless yeah. it was just well, like, you're kid, going too fast and we're scared. I, I also, the kid said he was late for school, which is why he took the shortcut to begin with. Oh, okay. I, um, sorry, I, one of the reasons I was laughing was my literal note is, drops them off at a barbecue place. Yeah. <laughs> we have the exact yeah. same yep. note. <laughs> well, that is what happened. Leroy plans to walk the rest of the way, um, even though- 30 it, miles. That's, that's, that's what he lot. says he's going to do. Um, but Chaz steps inside to make a phone call, and Munoz finds them immediately. Not one of his 68.1 men, but Munoz specifically finds them. And uh, Chaz calls his girlfriend Robin while Leroy flirts with a girl doing the twist inside, a dance that was not popular when they left for active duty. Another girl in the restaurant calls him a retard for not knowing what the twist is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the twist! That's some kind of dance? Yes, it's a dance. The girl is excited to hear Leroy is in the army. Chaz's girlfriend, Robin, tells him that his dad's been real worried about him since he went off the grid. Chaz says, don't tell him anything. Chaz finds Leroy practicing the twist in the bathroom. He tells Chaz he has a couple girls and a ride lined up. They buy some condoms and change into some fresher clothes before returning to the girls, when Munoz suddenly enters the bathroom and grabs Chaz's arms behind his back and then puts a gun to his head. Where'd you put the pictures? What are you talking about? Where'd you put the pictures? I don't know about no pictures! Leroy jumps Munoz and they beat him up and toss him into a bathroom stall before running off to hop in the girls' station wagon. We cut to them making out in the car off the road. Together. Yeah, like, like the, there's two of them in the front seat, two of them in the back seat, just making out parallel to each other. And they're like giving each other like 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 go signals. Like, you're like, yeah, I'm going for it over here. Yeah, they're high-fiving each other over the seats. It's weird. Leroy tries repeatedly to take things too far, and the girl shoves him aside. Eventually, the guys are tossed out of the car to convene for a moment, and Chaz tells him you got to be more relaxed about it. See, the thing is, is you got to show him some respect. Huge respect. Is that what was going on there in the backseat there? When they get back to the car, Leroy suggests they switch girls, and the girls drive away, ditching the guys here. Leroy's freaking out because all of his expensive stuff is in the car, but they find the footlocker and Leroy's dog tags tossed out the windows down the road. Like two seconds later, like mm-hmm. I thought, oh, okay, so now we're going to go into the storyline of chasing the these girls yeah. and trying to get, and it's just like, oh, no, we got our stuff back. Yep. Like, what Instantly. was the point of any of that? They wouldn't have gone to the effort of throwing that stuff out for him. They flag down a passing moving van. The guy says, hop in the back, and then closes the doors behind them and locks them like I would have expected him to do. They act like this is a clear sign that they're being kidnapped when it sounded like the guy obviously wanted them to ride in the back and he can't drive around with the doors open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're like pounding on the doors like, oh my God, he locked us in here. How are we going to get out? And it's like, he's driving. Yeah. When he's We just asked for a ride. Which, yeah, is what you'd expect. But because of the, these are actually bad guys, they had to lock them in and I guess they needed to try to escape so that we yeah. knew that these were bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's literally just so that we have some explanation for why they would bother to escape. Yeah. Because otherwise they would have just sat patiently in the back of this moving Waited truck until they got, until to they the got somewhere. Yeah. They plan to escape the truck while it heads back to the military base. They pry the hinges off the door and hop out of the back just as it's passing near a firing range. They try to hide from a spotlight in the dark in a field full of totaled cars when suddenly bombs are exploding all around them. Let's get out of here! At one point, we see a guy crawling. I can't tell which kid it is. And then an explosion exactly where he was just crawling, and I was sure one of these guys died. <laughs> but uh, nobody died. It was just a weird edit. Jaeger shows up to work the next morning, and he asks how the interrogations went. We lost the marker. What? They escaped out of the truck somehow and ran right under the firing range. I, I, I didn't even have time to call off the ordnance test. God damn it. Then he says he sent a recon team in to look for pieces of the guys that they might learn something from. They need to find these guys before their upcoming mission to invade Cuba or the whole thing could be blown. 
I mean, we're we're supposed to not like the military guys throughout this movie, but right. they're I mean, their tactics aren't great. They do a lot of things that they really probably shouldn't be doing, but they're not wrong. They they found evidence that points to the idea that these guys could be spies and yeah. they should apprehend them. Yeah. yeah. And they're not doing anything to dissuade them from this suspicion. So for context, if you're not aware, this is just prior to the Bay of Pigs, which was an international fiasco wherein a group of exiles from Cuba were trying to get back into the country because they hated Castro and the United States was supporting them with weapons and money and a plan to get them back into Cuba. And so this team is working with the exiles to try and get them into Cuba. But now they're kind of employing the exiles domestically to try and find these spies. And they're kind of cluttering things up a lot. Mm-hmm. So that makes more sense because I was confused as to why these guys were so angry that they were on this detail. Yeah. But if they were the Cuban exiles, I could see why they would want to be part of the other mission. Yeah. They're like, we're supposed to be trying to get into Cuba. We don't have time to find your your fake spies or whatever. Separated by the explosions, Chaz tries to hitchhike and finds a woman changing a tire. He offers to help in exchange for a ride. She says maybe, and he threatens to leave her to change the tire herself which she was already doing when he showed up. She says that she's on her way to a wedding, and she agrees to take him to Seminole Springs. She asks why he's such a mess. Well, me and my buddy got lost in the swamp back there. If I were you, I'd stay out of the swamps around here. Well, I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) She tells him her name is Sally May. He asks right away if she's the bride at the wedding she's going to, and she says, Do I look that dumb? This made me sad. Because as soon as she said she was headed to a wedding, I wanted the twist to be that she was the bride at the end of the movie. So the whole oh. time you would think, oh, she just skipped the wedding that she was supposed to go to. And it turns out the only reason she went on this adventure with these guys is because she, she didn't really didn't want to get married. Yeah, that but maybe sense. that's too close to Smokey and the Bandit. And so they ditched that whole plot. I, even if it's close, it's still a better plot line than this is. Yes, it's it's irrelevant that she's on her way to a wedding. She didn't have to say anything. Uh, suddenly, they're being tailgated by a car full of gunmen, and then the road is blocked by the moving truck from yesterday, and more gunmen fill the road. Sally Mae takes the car off-road, and when the shooters give chase, Chaz starts turning the wheel to drive the shooters off the road. Sally Mae tells him to get out of the car, and he tells her that he's going to slash all of her seat covers if she doesn't just drive away with him. I was really mad at the guys for shooting at this point because there's clearly two people in the car. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have no clue who this other person is. Yeah, as far as they know, it's just a motorist that got kidnapped. I Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, you, you might have been able to identify one from the image of him sleeping, but you definitely don't know that this is the other person. Right. Um, so I just, I suppose they could suspect that it's another spy, but she could have been being held hostage. Right. And and it makes me like Chaz less that he's intentionally putting her in, in additional danger. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yep. yeah. At the next roadblock, the cops fire a bullet through the windshield right in front of Sally Mae. So this like should have killed her. Oh yeah. But it's obviously not a real bullet, so it didn't. But, uh, she veers off the road through a wall of fire that they set to convince them to crash into the roadblock. Uh, the, they drive about 500 feet down the road and then pull off around a bush to inspect the damage to the car. And it's like, you're way too close to this roadblock that you just blew past. The starter motor is shot, literally. Shaz says that he will push the car to get it started. And she still agrees to take him to Seminole Springs, even though they've just been shot at a bunch. It doesn't make him explain himself or anything. She must really be into this guy if she's ready to die just to give him a ride somewhere. Well, and we'll find out that she's not because she pulls a gun on him later. Yeah. She tries to drive away like there aren't still a bunch of people trying to kill them. They find Leroy at his parents' house just as they're pulling up with groceries. Pa is pissed off to see this dented up car drawing attention to his driveway. Immediately, cops are pulling up. Well, because they left the car out in the road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They didn't pull it into the driveway or pull it into the woods or off. Like, it's literally just out front. Yeah. Um, So... The cops, in quotes, found it and drive up to the house. Pa can tell immediately that they are not real cops. Wrong shoes, wrong weapons, wrong car. Leroy, Sally Mae, and Chaz ditch the house off into the woods while the cops 
in quotes, talk to Leroy's dad. Yeah, and while they're trying to sneak out, Sally Mae starts screaming, my bag, my bag. It's like, yeah. Shut, shut up. up. <laughs> my bag! Come back, what are you doing? I forgot my bag! Leroy leads them to his dad's still in the woods. They snag some guns out of it and a jug of moonshine, and then they run to an old airboat on the water. Leroy gives Sally Mae a swig of the moonshine. How about you, honey? 180 proof. Ain't never tasted nothing like that. Oh, I did, too. We had stronger stuff than this in the parking lot of my high school prom. Just to be clear, the only stronger than 180 would be up to 200. So, like, I would be really surprised if she had had stronger moonshine because it would have been straight alcohol. (laughs) Chaz notices a bunch of guys swarming Leroy's house. And since he's standing on the porch with his gun, the guys try to grab the gun out of Leroy's dad's hands. And then Leroy sees this and starts shooting at them. Mm -hmm. And the bullets are bouncing off the porch all over the place. He could very easily have killed his dad here. He doesn't know who these people are for sure. He doesn't know that they're not cops. Right. So I don't know why he's doing this. It's totally unnecessary. He does it again later too. And like... they wouldn't have noticed you. Yeah, if you, you got just away already. Stopped. Like he just—he's so obnoxious throughout this whole movie. It is infuriating. But when the people return fire, the still catches, and the whole thing goes up in flames. And then the airboat race begins. Leroy is just laughing maniacally, but he's also like zigzagging down the river, so he's mm-hmm. like wasting a lot of time. Serpentine, serpentine. <laughs> no, not serpentine. <laughs> uh, unless you're actually getting shot at, which they aren't here. That's true. Leroy pulls into a bush on the water to hide and make a plan. A snake lands on Sally Mae from somewhere, and uh, she and Leroy just freak out about it until Chaz kills the snake with the butt of the gun. Yeah, this scene. Like, yeah. it's a snake, and it's huge, which yeah. likely means that it's just a constrictor of some sort. Yeah. Like, this is not, probably not a snake that's going to bite you. No. So just toss it out of the boat. Pick it up and throw it out of the no, boat. No, no, Freak out and then smash Scream it. Scream like crazy and throw the gun around and then smash it to itty bitty pieces with the butt of it. I was so mad about yeah. this. I'm like, you guys, it's a, it's just, it's a snake. Just put it back where you found just it. Just drop it gently in the water. <laughs> it's fine. The next morning, the soldiers are on the water with three or four more airboats. Chaz wakes up with the barrel of a gun to his head. It seems like Sally Mae is having a moment of clarity. <laughs> and she suddenly wants to get the hell away from these guys pronto. But like the night before that she was literally like, oh, can I borrow your shirt? I'm mm-hmm. cold. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Here you go, sweetie. And they all lay down and then she wakes up. She's like, I'm going to fucking kill you guys. You better fucking get me out of here. Leroy wrestles the gun away from her because she didn't realize that the safety was off. And when he finally yanks it out of her hands, he calls her a bitch. Give me the gun, Leroy! Bitch! They hear the soldier boats coming. And the chase begins anew. This time they are being shot at. They duck into some tall grass for cover and they start wrapping it around their boat. But Leroy can't resist taking pot shots at the men as they're floating by and giving away their location. Yeah. yeah. He's like, quickly shot in return. What is the point of hiding your boat if you're going to shoot from over there? He's just an idiot. It's so infuriating. But luckily they shoot him. Uh, unluckily he survives. I know. There were several times in this movie where I was pretty sure that he died and yeah. I was excited and then he wasn't dead yep. and I was disappointed. Uh, Sally Mae drives the boat while Chaz bandages Leroy. Chaz jumps the airboat over a pipe and when the soldiers follow them, they crash them into each other. Like, I, I, I only saw, okay, so I see their boat go over mm-hmm. this ramp and then when the second boat goes over a ramp, it crashes into a boat. Yeah, yeah they, they like double back. And so when they came up over the jump, they didn't have time to turn because they were still in the air. And then... But so do they hit Chaz's boat or well, Leroy's boat? Well, Chaz and Leroy ram the bad guy's boat. But with the back of their boat. Well, I, I don't know if it was the back, but they came back. They came back. They, they yeah. turned around. Either way, it looked weird. But they, they did it in such a way that they, they tipped this boat that just came up over the ramp. And then they turned around and went over the ramp the opposite direction. Which, if you're familiar with ramps, is not a thing you can do. (laughs) Leroy and Sally Mae jump off of the boat, and Chaz ditches it in some more tall grass, and then just douses it in gasoline and lights it, and it explodes instantly. Okay. In a huge fireball. Yeah. So, they don't just jump off the boat like, like, this was a plan. He's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I am going to take a really sharp turn, and when I do, you guys pile out. And I'm like, okay, so they're supposed to, like 
escape and you're going to draw these guys away from them right. somehow. Mm-hmm. But like. But he only goes like 100 feet right, away from them. He doesn't go yeah. any. He doesn't leave them. Like they're they're still They're really all in the same place by. after it explodes. Yeah. Yes. And, and then uh, Leroy says, I'm leaving. I'm going to go find my footlocker. Because apparently he tossed that over too. I don't even know if he tossed it over. I think it was in the boat when it exploded. Oh. And he found it in a tree where it landed after the explosion. Sally Mae is just lost, though, and crying in this flaming tall grass. It looks like she's just going to die here. And then Chaz shows up and tries to lead her out of danger. Leroy's very happy when he finds his footlocker after the explosion, and Chaz asks him what he's holding. Infrared spy scope. It's for seeing in the dark. Well, how come that camera's hooked up to it? I was trying to take some peaches in this Panama whorehouse. Little souvenir. Peaches? Didn't get any, though. Chaz puts one and one together and somehow gets ten. That the negatives that he tore off of the picture that he took on the plane must have led the soldiers to them, and they think they're spies. Somebody probably found that tear-off picture part of it, and now they probably think we're communist spies. Sally Mae and Chaz leave Leroy with the footlocker and promise to come back. I don't know why he can't go with them. Just take your footlocker. But they're like, oh, we'll come back for you. And he's like, wait, don't leave me. It's like, okay, we'll all just live here in the tall grass. Yeah. Also, um, these are like Everglade swamps with like gators right? and shit. Yeah. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Like every second they fall in the water or purposely jump in the water, I'm like, guys, gators. And if the gators don't get you, leeches. Yeah. Everywhere. Nobody else got hit. I'm the only one with steel. They pop into a gas station later and ask for some help. The guy won't let them use the phone, so Chaz tries to buy the guy's pickup truck for seventy-five dollars. I know it's nineteen sixty-one, but yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, he asks for three hundred. Sally Mae offers to pay with a diamond and pearl encrusted brooch from her hair, or a hairpin maybe, and she says that it's worth eleven hundred dollars. In the non-existent bridal version of the story, this would be her engagement ring that she's paying with. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain that that's what it was in the first draft of the story. Yeah. The guy claims it's not a diamond, that it's glass, and she drags the diamond across his glass countertop and slices it clean in half, and then he accepts the gem as a payment. Suddenly on the news, they learn exactly what's been going on this whole time. This bulletin just in, Havana Radio announced an invasion of Cuba by exile forces operating from secret bases in Central America. Fidel Castro accused the United States government of equipping and supporting the invaders who have established a beachhead at an area called the Bay of Pigs. Okay, so the the base that they took a picture of, even though they were in South America, was the... American base. Was the base of operations for this attack. Right. Okay. They drive the man's truck away and enjoy some snacks that they got from the gas station. We cut back to Leroy singing along to Runaway on a radio from his footlocker in the tall grass. Suddenly, he has four guns pointed in his face. Yeah, because you didn't get far away from these guys yeah, that were he chasing didn't go you. Anywhere. Like a hundred feet from them. He just sat there like his legs were All broken. the grass around you was on fire. You didn't go very far away from that. And now you're singing very loudly. Yeah. What do you expect is going to happen? Chaz tries to talk to Sally Mae about his girlfriend and how hard it is to discuss your feelings. A plane swings by overhead and swoops low over the truck and then starts throwing explosives at them. Yeah. One of them lands on the hood of the truck and Mm -hmm. blasts out the whole windshield, knocking them clean out of the driver's side door. Do you think you could actually tell from a low-flying airplane who was in this car? No. Because they haven't seen this car yet. This is brand new. They They just bought this. They have no way to identify that this is their vehicle. Yeah, it's very strange. I I have a feeling that this entire event isn't associated with the CIA or Bay of Pigs. Yeah, this This is is just just the the mad plane bomber. Yeah, (laughs) because... They th- he throws bombs at the plane. They dive out of the car thinking the car is going to blow up. It doesn't. And then the plane it just leaves. leaves. <laughs> <laughs> just like, all right, that's enough. And I we're good. scared him. I just, my job yeah. was to scare him. And, and then they slowly walk away. Yeah, and, and nothing more comes of like, this doesn't lead. There's not like a, a scene where we spotted them on the highway. Yeah. Our plane spotted them. It's like, no, this is just like, it's almost like the scene in North by Northwest. It's exactly like that scene. <laughs> and that is like, wait, was this their plane? This plane doesn't. It's such a famous scene in that movie, yeah. but the plane plays absolutely no part of the movie yeah. because it's just a sinister plane and it doesn't come back to like, oh yeah, there was one of our guys flying that plane chasing yeah. you. Yeah. It never happens. Chaz pulls up to his own home and he heads inside. I guess the truck still works, luckily. 
Uh, instead of being angry, his father is extremely proud of him. He says that a general called and says that Chaz earned a medal. They, they lied to you. They told you that we were heroes so that you'd turn us over to them. What kind of crap this is anyway? Chaz's girlfriend, Robin, enters, and she's very excited to see him. Chaz! Stay away from him, Robin. He's a spy, Christ almighty. <laughs> he asks his dad for help, but his dad has a promotion coming and doesn't want to put it in jeopardy. So he's not going <laughs> to help his son from getting murdered by people robin is worried about him and probably a little suspicious of this girl he brought along but she hugs him and kisses him and tells him to be careful because she understands he's in some sort of trouble in a building on a nearby dock leroy is being subjected to enhanced interrogation techniques now that the word is out about the bay of pigs these guys are having all sorts of problems it's the invasion the muchachos are pissed because they're missing out on the action the gringo soldiers try to round up the muchachos to capture the last two spies, but they are slow to respond. In the other room, Leroy is breaking free of his bindings. The Cuban exiles argue with the Americans for a bit, and they assure the exiles that they have approval from the highest levels of the American government, and as if on cue, Kennedy's voice pipes up on the television to correct. Well, first I want to say that there will not be under any condition be an intervention in Cuba by United States Armed Forces. The room erupts with anger, and Jaeger is already having a meltdown when he notices that Leroy has escaped. The exiles all pile into a boat to leave for Cuba, and Colonel Williams reminds Jaeger that they need to start covering their tracks, so they toss a rolled-up blanket with a bomb hidden in it into the boat with all the Cubans, and they say, oh, here you go, good luck on your trip. Yeah, and so nothing, nothing is less conspicuous than a blown up boat full of bodies in the harbor yeah or just letting this boat disappear to cuba and never to be returned again yeah it's not like their plan was to come back and and rat on them yeah they were gonna leave yeah so i'm sorry that they blew those guys up yeah, yeah. he comes outside with a with look what looks like a sleeping bag yeah and he says here you go guys via con dios and Do they're like oh thank up? you yes yeah for like a 12 frame shot because it's a really bad optical so they cut to it, and then they cut okay. away really quickly. And it also, there's other things that don't make sense about this. But but if we see them blow up, then they have blown up just offshore. Right. Within view of the building that they just left. Okay. He tosses them this rolled up blanket, and Jaeger pulls out a handgun inside, and he goes to shoot the television that Kennedy was just on. And he fires the shot, and at the same time as you see the TV explode, we cut outside and just see a fireball on the horizon. But it's a, it's like a really bad, like they cut out one frame at a time an explosion and glued it over yeah, where like, the boat was on the water. Like if you just took an After Effects explosion and then just plopped it yeah. in and you can still see the boat behind it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's real bad. But I had to back it up because I was like, wait, what did he didn't push a button. He just shot a television. Why did yeah. the boat explode right there? I, I guess see it was why just I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. But I think it's short because it was a lot of work and they were like do i have to glue 12 more frames to this nah it's fine <laughs> Chaz and sally may pull up to her mansion it turns out she's rich uh, i guess that makes sense because she just bought this shitty truck yeah. for eleven hundred dollars so this whole time up until in just a moment here mm -hmm. uh i am kind of shocked that nobody is looking for her because yeah. she's been she's gone for be days. She yeah. was supposed to be at a wedding. Her car is likely have been found and identified full mm -hmm. of bullet holes on the side of the road. Yeah. And she's missing. Yep. So why why hasn't there been any attempt to to find this girl? She's a spy. Oh, okay. What? Chaz asks if he can use the shower. And she says, sure. And then when he's coming out of it, Sally Mae's voice is coming through a PA on the wall. And she says a bunch of complicated bullshit about how her father is married to an ambassador's ex-wife or some shit. It doesn't matter. Basically, she's just planning a magic way for them to erase all the treason they committed yeah. this weekend. And also, he starts now taking the time to shave when he really didn't need to shave. Like, he wasn't no. like... He was already like, clean shaven. He didn't even have a five o'clock shower. Yeah, and it was just like, yeah, you guys have more important things to do than to take your time. I understand, like, you need to get... Just, like, get some of the gr grime off of you. You got to make some breakfast. You got to yeah. squeeze some oranges. Yeah, her or her breakfast of wh sliced white bread and orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> she tells him to make the eggs, and she's going to squeeze the oranges. And there's, like, 30 squeezed oranges spread across the counter downstairs. Wandering through his father's garage, Leroy finds a bunch of explosives and guns before trying to steal his father's Cadillac. Dad catches him and holds a gun to his head. 
So he drives the car forward through the garage and out the wall on the other side. Sally Mae walks out into the yard of her own mansion to look at vines or something. I, like, I, I thought she was going to pick a fruit yeah, or something. Yeah. But there, it's literally a vine with flowers on it. And she pretends like she's going to take a flower off of it. And then a guy suddenly has a hand over her mouth and a gun to her head. And so we find out, I think we find out in the last scene in the mansion here that her parents are gone. They're right. Like on vacation for the weekend yeah. or something. And so they're not home, which is why it's okay that the guys are there. And I think I would have assumed that when they weren't inside. I, I feel like there's so much here that doesn't yeah. need to be said that gets said. Well, it was the only reason that I'm like, oh, okay. So nobody is there to miss her yet. Right. Yeah. And and uh, why did the CIA agent guys need all of these men out looking for them when they found them in less than like an hour? Yeah. How did they find them here? Yeah. Like they have no way to identify her. I don't know how they found them anywhere that they found them. I guess maybe Other than their registration guys. could have pointed them to this address. Yeah. But <laughs> they'd be complete idiots to head back to a place that would be known to them. Yeah. They are a complete idiots. But uh, he puts a hand over her mouth and he says to be quiet. And instead she kicks a window out of the house and sets off a burglar alarm. The man rushes Sally Mae off the property onto a boat and Chaz chases after them. At first I thought that there was a fire in the kitchen as he's leaving the house. Mm -hmm. But it looks like it's just a kettle like overflowing with mm -hmm. steam. Yeah. Chaz is unable to catch up with the boat before it's gone. And so he heads back inside to grab keys for a second speedboat. Chaz chases after the girl on the boat while Leroy parks a Cadillac near the docks with a big bag of explosives. How did he know to go to the docks? Where did he that's get where the he Cadillac? came from. Oh, that's right. He, he he broke out of the What's that? Where did he get the Cadillac? It's oh, his dad's. This is dad's. Oh, he took it. the yeah. Oh, right, right, right. He took the dad's car. I forgot. Um, he, he as he's climbing down the ladder into the water cuz he wants to put bombs underneath the building that he was just being tortured in. He says, "Santa Claus is coming to town." And then he continues to sing Christmas carols out loud while he's affixing bombs all over the underside of this building where there's like there's agents working in this building and you're singing songs underneath them they're going to notice that you're there but they don't for right. some reason and up until this point you aside from trying to not be captured you haven't actually done anything wrong mm -hmm. so now if you blow these guys up and you murder a bunch of CIA federal agents, agents yeah. you're in big trouble yeah uh jaeger starts to wind a silencer onto a gun to kill sally may because he's just trying to cover his tracks but they just shot a television without a silencer yeah why do you need a silencer now you blew <laughs> up a boat in the harbor and <laughs> yeah we, that's okay if that's really loud but this has to be quiet he wants to whisper sweet nothings into her head <laughs> trying to sneak up on the building Chaz finds the lit fuse of all these bombs he doesn't realize but but leroy was basically going to kill Mm -hmm. uh, Sally May. Sally May, because he just put all these bombs all over the building. Uh, but he already lit the fuse and left. Um, he starts shouting about these bombs while he's trying to defuse them. And then Jaeger lifts up like a square of the flooring and sees him down in the water. And he says, Oh, you get up here. And he says, No, there's bombs down here. Look. And he like yanks the guy down through the hole so that he can see that there's actually explosives connected to the building. Uh, they're wrestling for a little bit in the water. And Williams, the second CIA guy, tries to run for it out of the building but leroy's standing at the front door with a shotgun and just starts firing at him so he ducks back into the building williams tries to beat on sally may tied to this chair but then sally manages to kick him over and when leroy rushes in and bashes him with the gun instead of just shooting him they pull Chaz up through the hole in the floor and suddenly Chaz and sally ann are standing on a boat we just cut to yeah 25 minutes later and they're on a boat getting ready to leave and also apparently they drag the bodies the unconscious bodies of the two right. men yep. with them so much work and Did uh the place explode it yeah. does so the but, but the reason that leroy's not with them yet is because he's went back to get his box and now he's carrying his box out to the boat i really wanted him to blow up like it's like with the foot it's like it's like i got it boom yeah 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 yeah, that would have been better. The building finally explodes. Presumably killing the two CIA guys left in there. Oh, but then we reveal that they have both men tied up and bound and gagged on the boat. So, um, so they commit they commit a different type of murder by exiling them to sea. Yeah. Well, they point the boat at Cuba. Right. And they say, 
congratulations, you're going to Cuba. But if they're off by a couple of degrees, these guys are just going to die of exposure. Yeah, well, they're going to just yeah, – it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they, he, they're condemning them to death either way. Yeah. Um, but then they get in their own speedboat and they go back to America to face charges of treason for – all the times that they shot guns at government officials who had orders from the president. Ugh. That's the end of the film, by the way. Oh, no, well, not quite. <laughs> oh, is there an after credit scene? I uh, there's not an after credit scene. <laughs> Are you talking <laughs> about the commercials? There's all the, the commercials. <laughs> like, it's like, ooh, The Hobbit. <laughs> like, I want to watch this instead. Um, and uh, there's like the death on the Nile. And then there's just a, a scrolling text of all the different videos that are available from this company. <laughs> Perfect. And then wasn't there also... Um, uh, what's his name? The Yakety Sax guy. Oh yeah, Benny Hill. Benny Hill there was stuff. A Paul Simon. Yeah, this movie was hard. It was difficult to watch. I had a really hard time with it today. It's rough. There's not a lot here to enjoy because you're watching a movie about domestic terrorists who are confused and don't realize that what they're doing is terrorism. All of the music cues and editing felt very television. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe this was a TV edit. But I feel that with the use of the word bitch that it wasn't. But yeah. it still felt like a TV edit. Yeah. Um, it, it Everything about it just felt so underwhelming and confusing. But there were some bigger names in the cast, which was weird. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, but how long did those people appear? Yeah, that's true. Pat Pat Hingle was in for... Two scenes. Yeah. Or yeah, barely. I would, I, would, I would say just the one scene, really. Yeah, that's true. Um, and... Uh, you know, Judge Reinhold wasn't really anyone. No, nope. so this is his first, first movie. Film. Yeah. So th- there's just nothing to this movie, and I I don't know what it what. It's such a mess. It is such a mess. I think it honestly would have been a little bit better if they'd have cared less about being similar to Smokey and the Bandit mm-hmm. and just gone with the whole she was going to get married and she ran away with these guys because she was afraid of committing to this one guy for the rest of her life and she wanted to do something spontaneous. But what about his girlfriend? What about Chaz's girlfriend that he was coming home to? Yeah, but they also, this was a weird choice. The first time he calls, she's laying on the bed in like this weird position Mm -hmm. and it just looks really uncomfortable and weird and they look mismatched as a couple. Yeah. Um, well, I wasn't clear. I don't know if he says anything that indicates that they're a couple when he first calls her. I swear, until we meet her again later, I was like, oh, he called his sister at the beginning. Yeah, I thought it was either an older sister or a young mom. Because I was like, this doesn't look like this would be the person you would cast as his girlfriend. Yeah, because I think he said something on the phone call about, like, don't don't tell my dad or something well, like she that. Well, says, she says, your your dad's very upset or something like that. Yeah. And Which was something like a mom. Yeah, that's why I thought say. it was a mom. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that it's just a girlfriend who's really in touch with his father and keeps track of his, her, his father's emotions for some reason. Um, but yeah. Our director here, uh, he also has a story credit, was Paul Glickler. This was his last film after Hot Circuit, Parlor Games, and The Cheerleaders in the early 70s. He also appears as the arresting officer in Cannonball, the David Carradine Cannonball Run film that predates the Cannonball Run movies. Writer David O'Dell, he wrote this film in the middle of a 48-episode run writing for The Muppet Show. He also wrote The Dark Crystal, Savage Islands, Supergirl, and Masters of the Universe. So he has good credits. I think this just got rewritten. Yeah. Ken Wall was Chaz McClain. Uh, this was his second film after playing Richie in The Wanderers, and we'll see him next in Fort Apache, the Bronx next year. Uh, actually, I want to kind of like back up real quick. Sure. Um, I almost feel like this movie would have been amazing had it been a Muppet movie. Sure, yeah. With like Fozzie accidentally like taking a picture out the airplane window <laughs> and government agents chase, chasing Kermit and Fozzie around. Well, yeah. there would have been jokes in it then. Yeah. This movie could have used some jokes. I can already <laughs> smell the Bay of Pigs jokes. <laughs> oh my God. It writes why, itself. Why wasn't this a Muppet movie? Yeah. Judge Reinhold uh, was Leroy Beecher. He's Detective Billy Rosewood in Beverly Hills Cop. He's Brad Hamilton in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He's Neil, the stepfather of Santa's kids in the Santa Claus franchise. He's also the father in the third and fourth Beethoven installments after Charles Grodin left the franchise and before John Larroquette took over. He also played the Honorable Judge Reinhold on Arrested Development 
But first, on the Clerks animated series. Mm-hmm. Show some respect for Judge Reinhold. Yes. Everybody work. Everybody work. <laughs> Who driving car? Bear driving car. How can that be? <laughs> Annie McEnroe, or McEnroe, played Sally Mae Giddens. She was Jane Butterfield in Beetlejuice. We're fairly certain that she based her character in that film on Trish Vandiver's performance in The Changeling earlier this oh, year. Oh, yeah. We'll see her next year as Stella Roach or Stella Roche in The Hand, and the year after that in something called Battle Truck that I huh. want to see already. So <laughs> I couldn't, I tried to figure out where she's from, but I thought it was a really weird choice because she sounds like she has a Midwestern accent yeah. throughout this whole film. And I'm like, you're in Florida. Why do you cast somebody with such a heavy Midwestern accent? She travels a lot. I mean, she could be a snowbird. She looked like a human. <laughs> what? What's a snowbird? Oh. <laughs> Thanks, I didn't have to ask. <laughs> uh, snowbirds are people who live in the northern part of the country, but in the winter uh, have another home in the southern part to spend to, to wait out the winter where it's warmer. What do you, what month is this supposed to be? It's April. Oh, so it still could so be. It could still could be chilly. Yeah, I thought it's it was like a like... bizarro Pontiac Firebird, snowbird. Brad Dillman, Bradford Dillman played Arthur Yeager. Mostly television up through the 70s. He's in The Swarm, Piranha, Guiana Cult of the Damned, which we'll be covering on its 41st anniversary in January. He also appears in two Dirty Harry films, The Enforcer and Sudden Impact, as two different police captains. Mm. John Saxon was Captain Munoz. He's Roper from Enter the Dragon. He's Lieutenant Ken Fuller in Black Christmas. He's Lieutenant Thompson in Nightmare on Elm Street. We had him earlier this year as Seder in Battle Beyond the Stars. And Beyond Evil, which, again, will be hitting on its 41st anniversary. But we'll see him next year in Blood Beach in January. He also just passed away a few months ago. He was 83, but uh, fairly recent. Pat Hingle was Sergeant McLean. His first film was an appearance as Jocko in On the Waterfront. He's the narrator for the Land Before Time series. He plays Judge Fenton in Hang 'em High. He's Hendershot in Maximum Overdrive but he's probably best known for playing Commissioner Gordon in the Burton and Schumacher Batmans. Batmans? Batman? He's also in Sudden Impact with Bradford Dillman. Lonnie Chapman played Pa Beecher. He's Deke Carter in The Birds and Old Timer in Reindeer Games. He also plays Kelly in When Time Ran Out earlier this year. Tom McFadden was Colonel Williams. He was Mr. Weber in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Ken Rogers played television newsman, and he also plays Ken in Island Claws, a giant crab monster movie, another 41st anniversary we'll be covering in January. And my last credit I had here was Dan Chandler, who played Sergeant. He's Dr. Mueller in Island Claws. So these last two guys are both in Island Claws. Yeah, big claim to fame, (laughs) Island Claws. Very, very excited for that one. Uh, Found a 1080p version of Island Claws. Congratulations. Ready to review. Uh, so I had uh, checked out the editor here. Yeah. You never look at the editor, do you? I try to, but I did write a 14-page essay on this shitty movie, so <laughs> sorry if I missed the editor. Uh, so the editor here uh, is Robert Lovett. Um, so the editing of this movie wasn't good, but he's done some good stuff. Uh, we have The Taken of Pelham 123. Oh, nice. The Next Man. I, I haven't seen that one. Is I don't know that it's one. It's a... Um, it's a Sean Connery movie. But we also have The Cotton Club and A Bronx Tale. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Who directed A Bronx Tale? De Niro. Okay. That's right. Richard, did you have any credits to... No. I, I, the less I talk about this movie, the better. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've uh, torn it up enough. Um, it's down for me. I don't know about you guys. It's a down. Yeah. I, I know about yeah. you guys. Yeah. It's a down. Um, where's this going letterbox do you guys have any thoughts here real low (laughs) i was infuriated with this movie pretty much the whole time it couldn't keep my attention when i was paying attention it was bad real bad so it goes number 142 which is fourth from the bottom so far and it is below coast to coast and above gorp okay richard uh i have it pretty low 
as well. <laughs> I have it at 135. Uh, which, These are fair. It's yeah. almost in the bottom 10. Um, uh, it puts it just below without warning and just above loose shoes, which I feel is pretty accurate for me because without warning is just crazy enough that I might consider one day rewatching that. <laughs> um, but Running Scared and Loose Shoes and Beyond, I feel like anything after that, I was like, no, no. I feel like the difference is if, you know, with uh, without without warning, if that's on in a room, I'm not going to walk out on that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah, all right, that's fine. There's some entertaining bits here. It's kind of funny and yeah. bad. If this was on in a room, I'd be like, I gotta, I gotta leave. I can't be no, in I would, here. I would shoot it's the TV and then a boat full of Cubans would explode <laughs> behind me. <clears throat> um, for me, this is going in number 142, which is the bottom of my list as far as movies go. Everything below 142, I don't even consider a movie. So that's Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, <laughs> Loose Shoes, and Home Movies are not even real movies. Um, but Running Scared is just below Middle Age Crazy. I think that's pretty cruel to Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown. That movie is stupid. It's lazy animation. <laughs> it's 40 minutes long. It's not a movie. It's a commercial that someone put in theaters. And yet you made us watch it. I'd, I'd watch home movies over this crap any day. You're crazy. I think that's everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Whereas I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Heaven's Gate which IMDb describes like so, a dramatization of the real-life Johnson County War in 1890 Wyoming in which a sheriff born into wealth attempts to protect immigrant farmers from rich cattle interests. This is where I learn that he's a sheriff. I just was going to say that. Is he actually the sheriff? I don't know. He never shows a badge. Uh, He does show a badge, and he is the sheriff. He never they shows never a badge. say that he's the sheriff. When yeah. does he show a badge? Uh, well, we'll get into that. <laughs> he never shows a badge. You All better right. have marked it down because I didn't see no badge. All right, we leave you now with the trailer for Heaven's Gate. This is a this is a two hour trailer, by the way. Get ready. It has been called the most controversial motion picture of its time. It is the most talked about and written about film of the decade. Now, from the director of The Deer Hunter. United Artists presents Michael Cimino's Heaven's Gate. The story of Jim Averill. He was born into the world of the rich and powerful, but his heart and dreams were with the people. Heaven's Gate. The story of a man's love for a woman, for a people, for a land, for a spirit that would never die. Chris Christopherson in Michael Cimino's Heaven's Gate.